Hello and welcome to Midriff, the podcast about gender, music, and music gear. I am your host, Hillary Jones. So no major musical updates on my end here uh, this week. Just not much, not much happening. Um, but my personal update is that my parents got vaccinated and I got to see them last weekend after a year and a half, which was really especially nice for my five-year-old who had basically has not seen him since he was three, which is wild to think about. And basically his only interaction with them has been via Zoom for that amount of time. And I'm sure a lot of other folks are in that same space, but it's, uh, yeah, it's a pretty big deal. So my partner got his first shot. It looks like I and I think you and probably hopefully everyone else we know will be getting it soon as well. So things seem to be looking up. Maybe we'll even have band practice again. Things are getting wild. I <laughs> I can't wait. I'm so excited. So yeah, so that's about it for me. Um, so let's just let's just get right into it, shall we? So I want to start off by thanking some of Midriff's fabulous sponsors. First of all, Earthquaker Devices. I want to note that Julie Robbins, who is Earthquaker CEO and former Midriff guest, was featured prominently in the recent Pedal movie special about women in the industry. If you haven't watched it, it's on YouTube. Check it out. Julie's commitment to the work really is like palatable in a number of spaces. And it's awesome that she and her husband, Jamie Earthquaker's president, which you probably know, are featured pretty prominently in the film, uh, it seems. I haven't seen it, so I don't know, but that's just what it seems like from the trailer, etc. cetera. Uh, so, you know, it's coming out at the end of the month, which is cool. Earthquaker, I would say, has really taken the time to get representation right and prioritize it as a part of their work. And after working with them, that was clear. So it, it's, yeah, good folks, good pedals. They're just, it's all good. Really, just check them out. They're rad pedals, handmade in Akron, Ohio. You can find out more at earthquakerdevices.com. And I am going to thank, once again, Studio 121. Skylar can help you with all of your audio needs at a super reasonable price with a quick turnaround. So editing, production, recording, jingles, podcast music, literally whatever you need, she can help you do it. So find Studio 121 on Instagram at officialstudio121. These sponsors support the podcast, and I hope you support them too. <laughs> you can find links in the show notes to sponsors, to Midriff on Instagram, Facebook page, website, all of that business. It's all there for you. Check the show notes. So, all right, let's get into it with this week's guest, Karen Sherhorn. She is the co-owner of Big Ear Pedals with her partner, Grant. They're based in Nashville. Karen runs the design and sort of the businessy end of the company. And she'll talk more about that as well, in addition to being a musician herself. And she's had a background mostly in design prior to joining the pedal industry, which you can see really in both like the aesthetic of the pedals, but also in their marketing, which is just, it always looks good. It is nice. So yeah, so, so Karen has also been doing some hand painting of pedals, like custom pedals. So if that's your jam, so if you like want to get a pedal with your cat or your dog or your gerbil or your face on it, Karen can probably do that for you and make it look cool. So, so yeah, consider it. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. Uh, anyway, Karen rules, and I think you're really going to enjoy our conversation. So after the interview, stick around. I will be covering the topic of meritocracy, your favorite topic and mine. <laughs> All right, here is my interview with Karen. 
Karen, welcome to Midriff. Hi, thanks for having Hi. me. <laughs> thanks so much for being here. Yeah. Uh, this is pleasant. Very nice. It is. It is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So for folks who might not know you, can you introduce yourself, your name, your pronouns, and a little bit about yourself and your like background with music or relationship to music? Um, sure. Uh, my name is Karen Shearhorn, and my pronouns are she, her. And my, uh, my relationship to music currently is that I co-own and operate a guitar pedal business out of our home, which is very boutique. <laughs> the boutique. I, <laughs> I used to, I've always been involved in music in some way. I used to play lots of different instruments, including guitar, piano, flute, violin. And I have like, it's just, it's not good. I, the coordination part for me is just not, not my thing. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, um, and which is funny because I've actually recently been, uh, learning to play drums. Grant's been teaching me, my partner, he's been teaching me it over the pandemic. And, um, I think honestly, it's just that he wanted someone to jam with. So <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. Uh, are you into it or is it just like, Oh, I love it. I absolutely oh, love it. Okay. So I, I always wanted to play drums, but I actually wasn't allowed to the teacher, mm. um, during the period of time when they, when they take you to try all the different instruments, yeah. um, the teacher actually took the drumsticks away from me and said, I think you need to try <gasps> oh, another no. instrument. So he kind of like, dashed my hopes and dreams of being a, a big drummer. <laughs> I had I had a similar story to that where I did that same testing yeah. thing and I want I really wanted to play flute and they told me I couldn't play flute because my lips were too big. <gasps> no. <laughs> yeah. That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's going on with those like middle school band teachers, but it's I don't, uh, too much power. I don't too know. much power. <laughs> It's true. It's true. I mean, I understand that not everybody gets to play whatever, like yeah. the flute or something, but yeah. you know, but you don't, you don't have to be so I harsh. realized that after a while that um, with the flute, you actually have to hold your arms up really high for a very mm. long period of time, yes. which yes. I decided was same with violin, not my thing. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that's fair. You know, I hadn't really thought about that before because I ended up playing clarinet, which is probably the laziest of all uh, <laughs> band instruments because you don't really have to move your arms from where they normally yeah, are. That's true. That yeah. is very true. <laughs> <laughs> I do enjoy when I'm drumming. Um, Grant's thing is that uh, it doesn't necessarily have to sound great. Just hit as hard as as hard as you can. Make mm -hmm. sure you really mean it. And so... I do a lot of flailing, which is great. <laughs> great. Yes. I'm 100% yeah. on board with flailing. Yeah. I actually, um, I discovered that the first time that it happened to me, we were jamming and, uh, and it's just, you fall, you fall in sync together and it's just like, it makes the most perfect meld of the two. And it's just a, this feeling of euphoria and nothing like it. Yes. <laughs> And I was like, okay, I get it. I, I totally mm. get it. Sold. Yeah. Which is not what I said when I was playing piano for six years. And I've completely lost all of it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm sure some of it's in there. But, but and I, you say that you're uncoordinated. But, like, it requires, you know, 
requires coordination. I feel like with piano, I did it for so long because I learned how to do specific things, but I did not actually learn the concept or like what really I was doing. Mm -hmm. Um, I just sort of memorize where things go. With the drums, I have trouble with my left foot. So I kind of like a lot of everything else works together, but then left the left foot, foot doesn't just need to do anything. <laughs> it's overrated, right? Just <laughs> yeah, you know, and I, I don't drive a stick shift car or anything like that. So yeah, just, it like, just can hang out. out. You can just leave it. That's fine. Always on, always off. Yeah. Whatever, it's cool. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, just to say that I feel like you do have to have a level of coordination to play the piano, even if you're just learning whatever you're told to learn. <laughs> okay. I, to be totally honest, maybe I'm just klutzy. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Uh, so yeah, so you have a fair amount of musical experience, but you're not, uh, maybe it's not something you were drawn to in the same way or maybe like at some point it just kind of fell away and now you came back so I've been doing um art primarily my whole life um and so I do the design all the Mm -hmm. design and art for uh big ear and um and I've been in design for hmm, like 15 20 years or so so it's been Mm -hmm. a long time uh and I feel like art and design are very similar to music in terms of creation and going from inspiration mm-hmm. to the actuality of it all. And then, um, and then the issues that you come across while you're doing it and then figuring it out. And then all of a sudden you have this finished piece. Um, so I feel like yeah. it's very, it's a very similar, uh, it's a very similar thing, but I worked in fashion for 15 years mm. and, um, and I ended up, I started in bridal, didn't enjoy the brides. Wasn't my thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, moved to sweaters, yes. which it was better. And then I ended up doing a, uh, a rock and roll inspired clothing line, uh, working on that with, um, Andy Hilfiger, who is Tommy Hilfiger's brother. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I was hired to do sweaters for that but then ended up doing all the other categories as well, like touching on each one. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I met Grant there. He was actually drumming. He was drumming in a band that, at that the time. That was my question. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> he was actually in the, he, he was like the, in the bands that represent what was represented by, you know, by the brand ah. or, or that represented the brand. Yes. Um, Steven Tyler was the face of our brand and his daughter, uh, Chelsea, they sold in Macy's. Uh-huh. So Grant would go around tours around the United States in different Macy's playing with his, <laughs> with his very indie rock band. That's wild. <laughs> and they would do fashion shows and everything like that. Wait, it, what was the name of his band? Uh, the Click Clack Boom. Okay. They've taken down quite a bit of their of their old stuff, which is kind of a shame, but... They were a good band. They were entertaining. That is a wild style. And I, but I feel like, I feel like it's a good, like, it's, it's a very stable, like, within that scene, it feels more stable than like regular touring, I guess. Yeah. They, um, they kind of were committed for about a year. They knew, Mm. they knew that they were touring. They played Mm -hmm. the Rachel Ray Festival, uh, the Feedback Festival in Austin, South Mm -hmm. by Southwest, uh, while we were doing 
what we were uh the the brand uh was mm-hmm. co-hosting it or whatever and that's where grant and i ended up like kind of hanging out and getting to know each other got it that's yeah. nice <laughs> <laughs> yeah so music has always been kind of a big thing in my life um and it seems sort of natural now that I'm actually doing something in music. It's good. Yeah. Right. Cool. So what does your like day-to-day kind of like well, first of all, what is your actual title? Do you have a title? Is it like we just we just call ourselves co-owners. We yeah. have a partnership, um, which in Tennessee it's like a little different um than other other states. So like to avoid having to do a lot more paperwork, mm-hmm. we are a partnership. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. As opposed mm-hmm. to like an LLC or something. Um, and or, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's pretty, we, we don't really do titles also all that much. We just kind of, it, cause it's just the two of us. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, well, I didn't know if that like, it, cause sometimes there's right, like a right. breakdown in roles, right? Cause so I'm just curious, so like what your do role anything ends up being, like what pieces of this you're taking on. Computer. So I do all the finances, taxes, mm-hmm. and um, all the business aspect, that all of that stuff that nobody wants to do. I do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh-huh. then um, I also do uh, all the design art, you know, that goes on the on Instagram and all that good stuff. And uh, basically, we just we just talk. Mm-hmm. We're, our, we basically our lives are basically our work, and vice versa. So we live what we are. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And I, I guess that was the thing. Cause I was like, I know you as the person who does the design for the pedals, but I was like, obviously there's more, you're not just designing pedals all day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. true. Um, we also, we also have merch. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, a lot of it is just clerical work. Somebody's got to really do what it. it is. Um, Someone's mm-hmm. got to do it. And as you, it happens to me. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, Grant puts together all the pedals. So I have also, I guess, his, uh, the person who stands over him and says, we need, we need two more, two more in that batch today. <laughs> today, not tomorrow. <laughs> Taskmaster. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're the project manager. Yeah, mm-hmm. pretty much. Mm-hmm. I, I do a lot of odds and ends. It's anything yeah. that's needed, really. Yeah. I mean, any. I feel like anybody who's been in a small business knows that this is just what it is. Uh, but I think the breakdown of roles can be a little bit different depending <laughs> on who it is. But obviously, like, you're like, I'm going to take up the trash and <laughs> yeah. I'm going to do the taxes and I'm going to take a picture for social media and blah, blah, you know. Yeah. Uh, so I think that folks know your pedals. Like, they're very visually memorable i guess and yeah uh, super clean yeah the clean aesthetic is real nice and i even before i had played one i had seen them online and i was like "Mm, that is nice uh yeah totally very attractive can you talk a little bit about the approach to your aesthetic uh sure it actually originated um grant actually came up with that layout and concept um Uh prior to even really talking about it all that much we started originally, let me back up a little bit. Uh, we started originally in the Lower East Side in a studio apartment when I drew a like a crazy bunny rabbit twisting a bunch of gears on on a pedal for Grant. And uh, he just handed it to me and said, draw on this. 
And so I just did that. And then um, he looked at it and he's like, that completely changed the feeling of the pedal. We should do that. You're a designer, you know, like I, I do music, let's do it together. And so we said, okay. And at the time he had also been talking about making drums in our studio apartment. So this seemed like a very yeah. good idea. <laughs> <laughs> pedals are much smaller than drums um less true, sawdust true. <laughs> yeah and um and so we ended up moving to brooklyn uh to pursue the the pedal mm -hmm. and we had we went on vacation and had this big chalkboard wall where grant drew this big pedal on it and said like we should do something like this and so I sat down on my computer and I like basically went online, downloaded this, the specs and everything to the, um, to the, mm -hmm. to the enclosure and then recreated what he had created in his mind onto digitally onto the pedal. And then, um, and then he came up with a bunch of other, other ideas and kind of just said, well, will this fit on the pedal? How does this look yeah. on the pedal? And so I would take it and then I would like move it around, do things different, different, try different things. And um, we came up with this very clean aesthetic where uh, you really don't need glasses to see them. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That is not the case for all pedals. Yeah. And we liked the idea of keeping the aesthetic really clean um, we were aiming to be a little bit more high end, um, or have that feel of being more quality. Mm -hmm. And we've been kind of, we want, we want our customer to have that feeling as well when they're playing. So we've just been going by that the entire time. Yeah. But even functionally, it seems like they're very, uh, simple, like they're, you know, very straightforward. Yeah. Um, well. that was a bit, a big thing for, um, for us as well as mm. keeping it, uh, accessible to people. So we want everything to be very mm -hmm. clear. Uh, we want our, our, we have a design booklet for Alby that is a little bit more mm -hmm. because there's more to Alby than the usual pedal, but it's a little, it's a trifold. Yeah. Whereas most of our pedal instructions are actually just one card. And so there's not a lot, there's mm -hmm. not a lot of instruction because we really want the musician to just play it and try it and feel it and yeah. vibe with the pedal itself rather than thinking, oh, I need to follow these directions. Right. And there's not a million knobs. So it's not, uh, I think with regard to the accessibility piece, it might feel less overwhelming to folks. Yes. Um, Grant and I have, it's sort of symbolic to us, uh, when, on our first date, we went to a a little diner, and you know, diner menus in New York are like extensive. They'll have like they'll it'll be a trifold itself, and then they'll have a trifold inside uh -huh. it. And um, and Grant is just he's autistic. I forgot to mention that, but uh, he has a hard time looking at a lot of things at once. And, um, and so mm -hmm. I would go and basically look down the menu and gauge what he would like based off of the type of things that he was saying that he liked. And that really helped him. Yeah. And so he's, he's really big into not wanting, uh, option paralysis. Yeah. And so when, um, Albie came along, the concept for Albie, we set it up that way so that each, each function is just that particular chain of effects. 
Yeah. And you just can you can control how much of it you want to use. Right. Yeah. So for folks who don't know what LB is, so most of your pedals are like a fuzz, they're one function. Like, yeah. uh, like you've got a distortion, a fuzz, uh, and a reverb. But the Albi is a little bit different because it's got what eight presets, and each one is sort of like copy, or not copying, but like sort of representing a vibe of a particular, almost like an era. Yeah, it. Um, it's a our basically our new wave in a box. Um, <laughs> it's it it's it's so funny. We were um when we were playing it, uh, we had a Neil from Doctor Scientist help us with the coding and everything, and when we were going back and forth, Grant had done all this research, combined all of the things, all the pedals that were actually used. And it in mm-hmm. back in the day, there weren't as many pedals. So you there were a lot of similar pedals and then just put on different settings. Mm-hmm. And um and so he kind of went through that, backtraced that, went through that, t- tweaked it to what would sound more like also modern of today came up with eight different sounds that he told Neil about. Neil created in code form, sent it back, and we were just floored. Yeah. With how accurate it sounded. (laughs) Yeah. It's wild. I just, I I was really uh, drawn to that, the accessibility piece of that as well, because I am somebody who gets overwhelmed by like too many options as well. And I'm like, okay, this will do, you know, it's just you're this one this one or this one and the amount like that's so simple (laughs) yeah uh and it sounds great it's so fun and and we were making it at the same time that around the same time um that we had adopted our cat uh cat albert and our little tuxedo monkey um he's not actually a monkey he's a tuxedo cat but (laughs) uh (laughs) and he we we named it albie after him and um and he passed away right before the launch. And so it was kind of Aww. a commemorative pedal. And so it's really awesome to see all these different albies all over the world, knowing that each, like each package comes with this little man. Right. <laughs> yeah. Pictures so of he's, he's out yeah. there. He's, he'll live forever. Yeah. That's right. He's living on pedal boards all over yeah. the world. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but it's, it's, I think that that piece is really important to acknowledge because I think there are, there's this, I think it, having those options is important. So, so having, having a range of spaces where people who want to like really dig in on a pedal and like, you know, get wild and adjust every parameter, there's a space for that. But I think some people are overwhelmed by that. So having a space where there's something that's a little bit simpler, but you can still get a lot of cool sounds is a nice, I think it's a good range to have in the industry and that you're able to get to that. And I think gender wise they're not that not that all uh folks who are socialized as women are necessarily not into to like knobs and things like that but because of the uh current socialization that folks have around tech I feel like that's just something to note yes I would definitely agree about about that um I have experienced many different times I obviously am not I don't play uh guitar so does, but it doesn't mean that I'm not interested in the conversation. Uh, and I've had multiple men completely just totally blows blow over me <sighs> about the fact that like they're showing Grant, you know, the pedal and then all of a sudden you're body blocked 
and you can't see the pedal. <laughs> it's like, so if I even wanted to learn about the pedal, I can now because I'm looking at your back. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's an interesting way. Cause I guess I think about it as more of like a conversational blockage or something that's happening online where somebody feels like they can't be included in a space, but like, yeah, you're right. Like if you're physically blocked, you like, can't, you know, like you're literally not yeah, able like, to I want to see what that knob does. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, and it's like, you know, even if you're not playing, you are obviously legitimately a part of the like music, your community, and you need to know about yeah. what's happening. Yeah. So that's a bummer. <laughs> I do. I do have to say that the, all of the, the gear people that we know in the industry have been very, very nice yeah, um, and very inclusive, which is good. The people who are less inclusive tend not to actually be in any of the, I sort of live in a bubble, you know, mm-hmm. so we don't really actually touch that community all that much unless it's say like on a YouTube comment or um, at NAM, right. that kind of thing. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 I feel like that's a specific situation, but it is one that you're having to engage in still. So. Yeah. 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 But it's I think fun. it is. Yeah. <laughs> Get in there. Um, but I think it's nice to be able to, you know, create that community yourself. And yeah. So have you seen, so how long have you been, how, how, how long has Big Ear been a company now? I'm trying to remember. Oh gosh. Eight years. Okay. And through the eight years that you have been doing this, have you noticed any changes in the way that the conversations around gender and diversity and music and music years has has looked um it's yeah when I started I actually didn't know any women in the industry at all I Mm. knew pretty much everybody through Grant and he is so you know Mm -hmm. associates with most men and Uh But now it's like it's an actual conversation, which I think is great. And um, it's it's happening all over the world, just in all different industries. It's definitely weird because I was in fashion for so long. um, I went from a primarily female industry to a primarily male industry. Yeah. Um, And it's it's definitely weird. I've told Grant, uh, I think I told you uh, earlier that Oftentimes, I'll try it if I can't get a word in edgewise, I'll actually deepen my voice and then actually everybody listens to me, which is so <laughs> stupid. <Yeah>. And- <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I, um, I recognize that there is something to say about the low mids and everything are easier to hear than higher pitches, but at at some point, it doesn't really matter either. <laughs> Right. And like, even if you have a high pitched voice, it doesn't mean you're not yeah, a person. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And then that there's actually been like research on that exact thing yeah. as well. So it's like, you're just, it's bearing it out. I think then sure. I start to scare people too. So then they're just kind of a little bit more respectful <laughs> of me because they're a little bit afraid. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that, uh, that you're really like leaning into the, like your knowledge of that issue around <laughs> the voice. You know, like you should just have like an octave pedal. I and carry know that would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Something to think about if you all don't have an octave pedal yet, which I don't uh-huh. think you do. <laughs> Just in the saying. future, it'll be built in. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it just attaches. It's like a contact mm-hmm. mic for your vocal cords. Totally, parts. totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, 
So do you do actual soldering part? Are you part of that process? I am or? not. Um, currently, okay. uh, just I, I do too many other things to really yeah. be able to consistently do it. And that and also, yeah. And Grant also says, like, he'd rather me making like art and design and marketing materials versus the thing that you're interested in um versus just soldering although he's starting to get to the point where he gets like really frustrated because he's doing so many at once and he's just like yeah oh oh." (laughs) and I'm like if I if I did this I could help you (laughs) right but part of me doesn't want it so I'm like no it's okay you can you can do that yeah I mean that's yeah yeah (laughs) totally going to take a quick break here to thank some more rad midriff sponsors who help support the podcast. Thank you very much. So first we have DistroKid. If you are a musician and you want to get your music out there to more people, but you aren't sure how, DistroKid can help you. DistroKid basically puts your music into online stores or streaming services such as like iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, and the like. And you get 100% of the income And it allows you to do customized splits to different band members or musicians per song, which is very useful. I think you can see how that would work. And if you have more than one project, you can sign up for that as well. There's different plans available. It's great. I'm excited to get our band back together to actually try it at some point. This would also be, I don't know, a great option for all of your bedroom quarantine projects. You can put them out into the world. Anyway, you can use the link distrokid.com slash VIP slash midriff to get seven a 7% discount. And I'll include the link in the show notes to that as well. And I also want to mention my buddies Adam and Jen up at Stopbox Sonic in Boston. Stopbox Sonic provides musicians with an extensive tonal palette for auditory exploration. Specializing in effects pedals, they offer a curated collection of companies large and small some locally crafted and some assembled from around the world. So Adam and Jen have been helping musicians and sound-based artists find their sound since 2009. By working collaboratively through one-on-one consultations, they do more than sell you a pedal. They ignite the creative spark to bring your music to life. They create a comfortable, judgment-free environment for all musicians where sonic experiment is encouraged. And I will say uh, they're really just really good people. They're nice people. And you can, you know, if you're around the Boston area, of course, you can go there once COVID is done, I'm assuming, and uh, and check them out. But they also have a ton of pedals available online, lots of cool stuff that you maybe won't be able to find anywhere else, too. So, yeah, check them out on uh, social media or at stompboxsonic.com. And thanks. The... I guess thinking about like the general dynamic, like the of working with your partner, um, how is that generally functioned for you? It's it's a little different every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. Sometimes it's amazing, and we're like we we're best friends, and so we like we play off each other really really well. Um, yeah. We're super goofy together, which is makes life fun, uh, makes working fun, but sometimes. Sometimes we'll disagree on something like, and I'm not really the type of person to, if, if I have an opinion to not be heard, uh, mm-hmm. it's okay. I'll hear your opinion too, but I would like to actually be heard because uh-huh. it's only fair. And sometimes when you disagree on something design wise, 
because yes. <laughs> fireworks can come. And uh, Zing. yeah. <laughs> so so in, we uh, we tend to because Grant is autistic, he has hard time letting things go, and so there will be a, a like a longer period of insisting on something that yeah. I don't know. We work together by ourselves, so it doesn't really matter all that much, you know. But uh, it's it definitely makes me wonder. Yeah. When COVID kind of kind of slows down, we had started having some help come in um, periodically to help us out, and uh, mm-hmm. I have to say we don't really get into those heated arguments like usually yeah. around people. But I know, like I know, sometimes every now and then it does happen, and people are like, "What?" Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> especially because they assume that i'm like a small little girl yeah because i'm five foot one you know i'm really little grant's a big big guy and we're just like no i said this and i said this no no mm-hmm. no no <laughs> uh so have you noticed the like there are any dynamics with that playing out in the industry as a whole in the way that folks treat you and your relationship, I guess? With the people who know us, uh, there's not, I mean, we're, we're people, everyone's a person. You're a person, we're a person, you know, Grant's a yeah. person, whoever's a yeah. person. So it, it doesn't, the gender thing is sort of more neutralized. It's more when people are in a group that it becomes yeah. a little bit strange. Um, when a lot of guys are together, they tend to get gross mm-hmm. for like no reason. And it's just, mm. it reminds me of like children, like b- little boys who will then play with themselves for no reason whatsoever, just because they can. <laughs> and I'm like, well, you should have learned like at a, at a very small age, that a young age that you shouldn't do. <laughs> right. <laughs> so there are those times when, um, People will kind of expect me to like kind of haha go along with it or right. whatever. And you're like, and I'm mm. like, but I don't have balls, and I yeah, don't yeah. care. I don't want to talk about them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. So I feel like that can go two different ways. Where either like they expect you to go along with it, or they get angry and they're like, you know, they don't want the the like woman to be there because she like is a downer for the party because they can't do that yeah I've I've noticed that a little bit um not I I mean not so much around me for me because yeah Grant takes me everywhere he like we're best friends he's actually like because I think because he's autistic he also Mm -hmm. is very uh not dependent but like wants to have someone near him you know as as, like a security thing Mm -hmm. um someone who understands him and so we're like almost always together and um mm-hmm. and it's just sort of like it's grant and karen it's karen and grant you know and um so it doesn't really affect the people around us as much because they're used to me just being there all the time yeah, yeah. but i do notice like in other uh podcasts or you know on different blogs or whatever i, I notice this weird view of what people think their wives are like oh or like they're like oh yeah well my wife you know did this to my gear what do i do guys and it's like they're or and you'll see like all kinds of horrible answers and it's like why 
why? Jeez. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or like my wife won't like that if I play too loudly. It's like, well, maybe she doesn't care. Yeah. Yeah. Have you asked her? Like, maybe you can have a conversation about it. The the that whole thing, the wife, the nagging wife thing is so pervasive in music your culture. It's wild. Um, I mean, you're you're getting right at it, right? I think it's like the memes, the like, you know, just like off offhand comments about my wife won't let me do that, or you know, I want to buy this gear, but I have to hide it from her or whatever. Like, yeah, and there's just like a very like, oh well, my my wife, you know, like she probably wouldn't want to be here or that. There's that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, and I, yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting because I feel like it feeds into, it's like folks who are really buying into the gender binary and the stereotypes associated with that. So if, like, you're a person who really, yeah. uh, you know, wants, like, feels like they need to pre- present and be very feminine um, or, you know, are, uh, and you feel like you need to have, like, a really, like, masculine man that maybe that combo just leads to othering like treating the person like they're different from you and then there's a lack of trust because of that because their stereotypes are that you're different I don't know yeah yeah and it's weird to me because it's like if you're gonna marry someone why would you want to invite someone into your life that you have to Mm -hmm. keep secrets around like that doesn't make a lot of sense to me right yeah yes yeah what kind of human are you? And I think it part of it's it's part, I mean I'm I'm talking about this as is a very like binary heterosexual situation but like I think in general there's just not a lot of education around like what a healthy relationship looks like and that's a part of that too, right? It's like uh if you don't understand what it means to have respect for your partner and like treat them well and to be expect to get that back like that's this might be yeah. a manifestation of that. I don't know. Totally. <laughs> I don't, yeah wow we really got in on that <laughs> all right so I guess um when you're thinking about like marketing for for big year like what's your approach to that we usually go by what's happening in the world at the moment current events a lot of times like a holiday will be around the corner so you have to figure something out mm-hmm. to involve some kind of excitement or or there'll be some reason to raise money for charity but a big a big part of our marketing is mainly just making sure that everyone's having a good time and being entertained because we don't want we don't Mm -hmm. ever want to put out ads that are just like here's my pedal come buy it because it's not really about that it's I mean it is a it is an industry it is like a, a business but what we would like is for the person to actually enjoy what they're getting and feel like they're Mm -hmm. connecting with us on a very personal level. I feel like we do a pretty good job representing of like who we really are. Yeah. That was going to be my next question, I guess, because it does seem like there is your social media in particular, like is it feels like there's a big like connection to who you are as people and that you're like putting yourself in that in a way that like makes it not just like I'm buying this pedal, but I'm like buying into this like connection to these people Mm -hmm. that I like. Yeah. So yeah. when I worked in the industry, the fashion industry, um, I had worked up to mi- uh, like upper management level. And uh, I one time had mm-hmm. a boss tell me, 
basically to overwork my assistant. And I, um, and I said, like, no, I want her to go home. It's, you know, and actually, I think it was like snowing, terribly snowing in New York. And that was, they were shutting the mm-hmm. subways down and that kind of thing. I'm like, no, she needs to go home. <laughs> uh, and I remember the, my boss saying, well, if she doesn't do it, then you'll have to do it. Kind of like, and, mm-hmm. the, and he's like, but you want to make sure that they work so you don't have to. And I was like, that is so not uh-huh. the reason for life. I don't, I, I can't, I, 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 that, that doesn't sit well with me. I don't know what to say. <laughs> and so ever, ever since that, I just kind of was like, not really into anything like that. Big business, large corporation, you know, Yeah, it, like Easter soul. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Whereas like if it's two people and you have a little more control over it and, you know, obviously you have control over what you're doing as a, as a company because you're so small, as opposed to being like in, in a smaller, in a, in a larger company is like a, that you're buying into their values as opposed to creating your own. Completely, completely. So we, we stand by everything that we do. Yeah. It's, it's much easier to live like live with yourself <laughs> mm-hmm, and be happy mm-hmm. when you're doing something that you truly believe in. So, yeah. 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 So it sounds like you're in a good spot. Yeah. It's good. Being, being, with that transition into this space. Yeah. It's been good. That's great. <laughs> nice. The, the major difference is that um, my hours are very different. So mm. here we work like sporadically, like all the time, basically, but yeah. like, you know, through weekends, all, all, any all the time basically yeah <laughs> um whereas you know in my regular corporate job I would go to work no when I was I, I would work till like 10 11 at night sometimes but like mm-hmm. you know at least I knew that the next day I was going in at 7 a.m or something like that yeah right yeah. it was a little more um structured delineated yeah 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 so we the marketing piece of that so you have your social media and you're connecting and like it seems like you're posting a lot of like fun videos and things like that, which I very much appreciate. Um, <laughs> lots of cats, lots of like dancing. I don't know. It's good. Um, so when you, when you're dealing with uh, folks commenting on social media, do you end up, I'm assuming you're, you have to deal with trolls at some point. We don't have very many. The, good. I mean, I think because Grant is so outspoken about the fact that he's autistic and he does the mm-hmm. uh, Instagram series, autism looks different than you think every year most of our followers are of like mind Mm -hmm. and I think because we are so outspoken about all of our all of our issues that we support are the people that follow us tend to be like-minded every now and then you find someone like who's kind of a cruster and you're like okay (laughs) and then Grant just like deletes (laughs) yeah 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 uh yeah it's it's a it's interesting just to see how that manifests mm-hmm. in different spaces, like depending on like the way that the company presents themselves, how many people are following them, the width of that. Um, and then I guess like the community created therein. It's, it's just, it's yeah. interesting. Yeah. I'm pretty happy with the, with our community, our, our big, big ear following the people who really know us and everything are all good, great people. We, us, we talk to people a lot. Um, online mm-hmm. and um and I feel like the really more negative comments come in places like YouTube and like Reddit 
and things like that, mm-hmm. which we don't we don't follow. We don't really. Yeah. We have some some things up on YouTube, though we haven't really been growing our page all that much. But yeah, it's it, in on Instagram. I think people tend to be a mm-hmm. little nicer. Yeah. Yes. I I don't know why that is. I think generally people are happier while they're scrolling through the program, the platform itself. Mm-hmm. Um, though Facebook is changing it with adding ads. Uh, yeah. Eventually, I think there will be ads that you can't skip, which is going to make people not like it, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting perspective because I think about this because I'm just like, sometimes I'm like, maybe I'll do it. Have like do some of this on YouTube or whatever and like have have some of it happen there. And I'm just like, I don't want I don't, do I want to deal with YouTube. Like it just seems like everybody. I know, mad. I know. It's the, or, or the people who decide that they feel like they want to say anything. It always has to be nasty. Why? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, I know. I'm like, do you, why, do you. How is your life that you are going around making these comments to people all day? Like, that can't feel good for you. Oh. Ugh. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very, it's like, I think it takes a very special person to feel like that. I think it's a very, a very sad, lonely, special person. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, that they just happen to really spend a lot of time on YouTube. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So I guess... As a, as a company, like, so you're, you're a small company, right? How do you see your role with regard to, like, supporting gender equity and diversity as a small company? Um, let's see here. Uh, we have been, when we do demos, we hadn't done a lot of demos mm-hmm. before. But when we do demos, we hit up females as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we tend to think of it more like... Um, it tends to be more like, well, who do we know? Yeah. That kind of, who do we know of or whatever? Yeah. And it's always, there's always some women scattered in the, in the mix. There's less, obviously, yeah. just because I think there are less. Um, I do think that it's sort of interesting. Um, we had a, a friend ask uh, to see if we knew any uh, women, female uh, guitarists. And, um, and Grant was like, kind of like, well, yeah, but why do you need her to be female? Like, is it just to fee- fill a female role? Mm. Is it like, you know, what? Don't you want someone who's just good? Like, yeah, that's <laughs> so complicated. <laughs> so it gets it gets a little complicated yeah. when it's like that. Yeah. Um, and because it's obvious that you know women are not represented as much as men, and so it's better that people get a fair shake. At the same time, you don't want to sacrifice you know, what you're doing. So it's, it's complicated. It's complicated. Yeah. Cause it's like, yeah. Cause it's like, you want to, to, you want to get more people out there mm-hmm. and see people playing a, a variety of different folks playing, but it's hard when it, especially when it feels like tokeny like that sometimes, like if a person really is like, this is a thing that I'm engaging in yeah. and here are the different ways that I'm doing it and blah, totally. blah, 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 that they're really doing this. And it's not just like checking a box kind of thing. Um, that feels different, yeah. you know? Um, I, like I had, uh, this is, uh, more about race, but I had, a a woman contact me that she had met me like through, just friends of friends. And mm-hmm. um, she contacted me to be in the video of uh, basically showing diversity. So, mm-hmm. like, I was the diversity. 
Yep. Good job. And that <laughs> Congratulations. made me feel really weird. And I said, I, yeah. I said no because she like yeah. kind of like asked me in that way, mm-hmm. and it just felt so. Can odd. you be the diversity? Yeah, it felt so <laughs> odd, and I'm like, I uh-huh. really, I don't, I don't like it. Honestly, I'm I'm a more behind the scenes person. I tend mm. not to like it when a lot of people are looking at me, that kind of thing. And um, and so, do I want to be diversity for your commercial? No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Right. But right. um, do I want diversity in the commercial? Yes, but like, hire an actor. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Do you have thoughts on like, uh, you know, if other folks in the industry were asking you like how to make change around gender and diversity, what would you tell them? It depends on who's asking. If it's other males, I would say uh, mm. you should start by like incorporating more women into your life and then <laughs> you'll probably learn life <laughs> and then you'll it's probably interesting learn, that you say life you'll meet someone or something like that because yeah. you will be, exist in a similar circle you know and you'll meet someone who is able to do what you're looking uh-huh. for or um and it's just it's just to think like we should have men we should have women we should have like people of color uh it should be a mix mixed bag so when you're looking at it it's a mixed bag but that shouldn't be the only mm-hmm. reason you're doing it, you know? Right. Right. Totally. So do you have, so I don't know, do you have, most of your sales are direct, not so much with dealers, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we do have some dealers. Uh, we have some, uh, we're represented mm-hmm. here in Nashville by Eastside Music, mm-hmm. Music Supply and they're great. They're, I love them, but they are a lot of guys. <laughs> that is for sure. <laughs> I definitely feel a little like not a dude there, mm, you know, mm-hmm. um, that is one of those places, but as I've gotten to know the people a little bit better, yeah. it's been less, less so, but they're really great people. I like them yeah. all. And, um, we are, we are also in a uh, mass street music, uh, company in, um, Lawrence, Kansas mm-hmm. and Brian Soden Soden, Soden um, is uh, the owner and he is such a nice guy. And I'm like very good friends now with him and his wife. Mm-hmm. Nice. <laughs> um, his, his wife, uh, Raquel, uh, and he just adopted a new puppy and uh, she has the longest tongue. It's so cute. <laughs> so cute. What kind of dog is it? <laughs> um, it is a, oh my goodness. What are, what are they? They're not bulldogs, but. Like a um, French bulldog? Mm-mm. Um, they're the ones where their teeth are like, oh, uh, <laughs> um, uh, uh, <laughs> something like bulldog. that. Yeah. So like yeah. English bulldog and, um, <laughs> as opposed to American bulldog, but it's so anyway. cute. And it's, she goes like this and her tongue just like flops out and it's adorable. It's adorable. <laughs> and we got, cute. we, um, recently picked up some other dealers in, um, in other countries like Singapore, uh, Taiwan, um, mm. We're talking to some people in uh, Europe, that kind of thing. But you, we actually yeah. have not yeah. ever reached, really reached out to any dealers. They've usually come to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's just a, it's an interesting thing because I feel like, and I've had this conversation with a few folks around like what expectations you have as a company of how 
the dealer represents your product and how the, the dealer interacts with your customers. Um, yeah, which is like, if, it's just an interesting piece of the puzzle, I guess. Yeah. Uh, we had a dealer one time that we just, uh, he called me Grant's Lady. Um, he was horribly rude to me. He was no longer our dealer. Um, yeah. But he was selling our pedals without having our pedals. Um, yeah, which I think is illegal. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he uh, he ended up taking them off his website. At, at we asked him to. Um, yeah. But he was really the only one that I would say that it was really bad news that we did not really, you know, like our values did not align. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. But most of the time. Our dealers are really great, but we really just, you know, we look for people who are nice people. Yeah. Um, and so then we won't, don't really have any issues with like customer service because they're good people. And, you know, they're going to yeah. be nice. They're mm-hmm. nice to you. Hypothetically, they're also nice to customers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we're getting kind of towards the end of our interview. Ooh. Unfortunately, <laughs> I know. Uh Are there any questions that I have missed so far? Things that you want to get into that we haven't gotten into? Mainly, I would say there is definitely gender inequality in this in this industry. And the amount of ma- male people who view women as objects is horrifying to me. Uh-huh. There's this very specific style of art with, like, uh, women, the pinup girls and everything yeah. like that. And I hate that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of people will ask me to do it like, oh, yeah, for them. And I just won't. Yeah, I that is a uh, that's yeah, it's so pervasive. Yeah, I'm not going to propagate something I don't believe. In. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I know it's it's a uh, that's like a it. I don't there's a whole like. I think historical component to that around like Betty Page and stuff and all this, like, I don't entirely. And like, I think some of like some, I, I don't understand the exact history of all of that, but, and, and, and I think there are places where people can, you know, obviously, you know, we want people to feel sexually empowered, but I don't think that that's what is happening in the situation. Yeah. It's a yeah. different, it's sort of a different thing. And then the, like the eighties, that hair metal kind of thing, with mm-hmm. the the half naked women in like <clears throat> really eighties looking like uh, workout suits and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, it's like why didn't that die in the eighties? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Push it back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I do think that's a, a, a tends to be an age. There's an age difference there. Yeah, yeah. I think th- it's interesting because I feel like there's like almost this like weird ironic like thing happening around that too around like um what is that band called <sighs> there's that guy satchel uh who's a guitarist they're like a fake 80s band do you yeah. know what i'm talking about what are they called the name escapes me right now i don't remember anyway <laughs> uh but they're the ones that have like the like pussy melter pedal and yeah. that kind of thing and it's like it's like yeah. i think people think that they can do it because they're kind of doing it ironically but, but it's gross are they <laughs> It's gross, <laughs> and it's not needed. It's so not needed. It's like, yeah. why? Ugh. Yeah. Because who yeah. likes that anyway? It's not even sexy. <laughs> Apparently, well, I think some people don't like it because it's sexy, but they like it because it's a throwback to that particular time in which gender dynamics were different. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and I don't know if that's 100 percent the case. And I don't know that much about that band or whatever. But like, I feel like that's like the throwback to the 80s and the way that the kind of like throwback to the 50s that like um, rockabilly is and participates in that in a similar way, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and not that but, all I mean, not that all of that stuff is bad in either genre, but, you know, it just happens. It's it just happens. And uh, it happens. You know. It does. Yeah. It does. Put a like when you're sitting at a table though with a bunch of other people with it in front yeah. of you and mm-hmm. being expected to be this considered the same or like not the same but like equal, it does put a, a weird bent on that, you know? Right. When the, but, when the, right. And it's one thing if you're doing it because like you are psyched on looking this way and you want to look that way and, and you're doing it for like a power, but it's another thing when people are doing it to you, you yeah. know? Uh huh. That's very yeah. different. Yeah. <laughs> when they're like, very ma- true. <laughs> they're gazing on you. Uh, yeah, different thing. Yeah, it's like, um, it, you know what's so funny? I'm I'm fairly used to it because in New York, you can't really walk down the street without anybody calling it out to you. Yeah, and it's not like the person you're doing business. With. Right. Right. It's a very different dynamic at that point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. totally. Yeah. <laughs> we could talk about street harassment all day. Uh, <laughs> whole other conversation <laughs> but related but yeah it's interesting the power dynamic of that and that like you know if somebody's engaging in that and they're part of the community that you're supposed to be a part of professionally um that's that's hard yeah mm-hmm. how can listeners stay in contact with you or hear more from you i am on instagram at karen Shearhorn. uh if you can't spell that you can <laughs> check out at Big Ear Pedals, and that's our guitar brand. <laughs> Good. <laughs> uh, and I, I think that uh, BigEarPedals.com, there's a, a a little message little message uh, board thing there that you can just email me if you want. And I uh, honestly, people think that there's like a big a big level of people who get get the messages and everything like that. They're all coming to me. Yeah. Even even Grant. <laughs> you don't you don't have like 75 uh, administrative assistants who are reading all your email for you? No, I just have like 75 different emails. <laughs> <laughs> and I get Grant's emails and I'm like, "Okay, Grant, you got another email. Here it is." <laughs> <laughs> He's so afraid of them. He gets like really really anxious and like oh. and like freaked out by email. Um yeah. so every time he hears a ping, he's like, "What is that?" <laughs> Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. So I just started checking all of them. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Cool. All right. Well, (laughs) thank you so much for hanging with me today. Thanks for having me. This was awesome. This was really nice. I appreciate it. So uh, hopefully I'll get to see you in Nashville sometime when this whole COVID is done. Absolutely. Cool. Thanks so much. Thanks. Bye. That was a fun interview. Karen is great. Obviously, you know now. And I I hope you take a minute to check out Big Ear Pedals. I have a video featuring Albie already up on my Instagram. It's been up there for a little while, uh, which I highly recommend. And I'll be doing one with their woodcutter distortion soon as well. Both are great and just a pleasure to use. Please do check them out. All right. So this week, we're going to talk a little bit about the topic of meritocracy. So I've seen recently a few white folks on Facebook, mostly older relatives or family friends, sharing 
a post by Carol Swain, who is now now I know I didn't know before a black Republican Trump backer, a retired professor. And she also worked on Trump's 1776 report. So you can get kind of a vibe for what her situation is. Swain's essential argument in this post is that she made it against all odds and therefore everyone else can do it. Uh, because she did it, systemic racism and white privilege isn't real. And so Swain's argument is pretty classic pro-meritocracy, right? So it helps uphold hierarchical systems such as racism and capitalism. And you can see why a lot of white folks would want to share it, which they are. Um, <laughs> but there's a number of problems with Swain's argument here. The biggest being that white privilege or any other privilege does not mean that no black, indigenous, or people of color will succeed. It means that white people experience fewer barriers to achieving their goals by virtue of their race, though they might experience barriers based on class, sexuality, or other identities. That's They're not going to be experiencing it based on race. So, you know, often you see this thing where, like, once a person makes it, they're held up as an example that if someone just works really hard, they can make it too. And unfortunately here, Swain is the exception rather than the rule. And, you know, over the years, I've seen a number of white women make this argument with regard to gender as well. Like, they pulled their bootstraps up through the music scene or, like, politics, the corporate world, whatever it is, and therefore anyone can do it. Or worse yet, they'll say that like other women should also have to go what go through what they did to get to where they are. And and that just makes me so, so sad. It is a real bummer. Like, why wouldn't someone want to contribute to making things better for those who go after them? Which they likely have, but like why wouldn't they want to actually do that? Instead, internalized sexism is so bad in this case that they want others to have to go through all the same crap that they had to get to where they did. Ugh, it's just, it's, I don't know. Uh, alternately, I, another thing that happens is that people will consider themselves like, quote unquote, one of the boys. And either like they didn't see or were lucky to be sheltered from the experiences um, of other women in this case. And it's... <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it's just such a bummer. But I think the important thing to note here is that just because they had that experience doesn't mean that others did as well. All right. I, dig I digress a little bit here. So meritocracy, as we should note, never existed in America because in order for a meritocracy to work, all Americans need to be operating on a level play playing field. And that's just never been the case. Meritocracy makes privileged people, like those sharing this article, feel like they've earned all the privilege they've received, right? So they then believe that those who haven't succeeded haven't earned it. And at the same time, those who haven't succeeded might then believe that if they just continue to work really hard, that they can succeed, which definitely might be a challenge in many cases for them. It's basically a per perfect system for exploitation, for victim blaming, and it focuses on the individual's supposed faults rather than any problems inherent in the system, which is an issue. All right. Anyway, I think it's important to just recognize the ways that meritocracy creeps into our conversations and our views of ourselves uh, and others and the ways that it sort of props up our current system of power. And this connects to music in a number of ways 
as well because you see people who are you know seen as being like famous or whatever who who do this exact same thing i've seen so many musicians do this um, in a num- in a number of different spaces, and I think it's just important for us to recognize that that is an unhealthy way to operate. Um, it's not helping anyone in this situation. So, all right. If you enjoy the podcast, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts so that more folks can hear about it. And definitely follow along on Instagram at Midriff Podcast for regular updates. Thanks for listening. Oh, <laughs>